Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. My second of the day, and I'm just really looking forward to diving into this conversation. Something a little bit different today. I know we usually talk about the Hunger for the Hustle business and entrepreneurship, and we are still going to be talking about that, but in a very different sense. Today, I'm joined by Ricky, someone I'm proud to call a very good friend of mine and has been for many years. Now, Ricky specializes in essentially firing people and terminating them. In the industrial sense, it's called a specialized contention for workplace relent, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a specialized contentious of workplace relations. And what does that mean? Essentially, Ricky is a vanguard to employee determinations. I'm sure he's going to word that a lot better than I did. Ricky, welcome to the show, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm well, thank you. And it is, you know, Saturday morning, so keep that in mind. A little bit dusty. Um, <laughs> we've just opened up here in Melbourne. But I probably will clarify that is I, I don't just specialise in ending people's employment. I, I, I specialise in employment law. Um, and I guess as a, 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 as a specialist field, that encompasses lots of things, lots of industrial matters, um, contractual matters, uh, health and safety, remuneration, um, you know, a, a, a whole broad spectrum of regulation. Um, one of those is, um, you know, terminating employment um, and, and what's associated with that. And I guess, yeah, being the vanguard of that is, is, is often in organisations or as a consultant, um, you're asked, um, you know, can we can we terminate this individual's employment, um, you know, and, and, and to sort of take the matter from there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a very interesting thing and I think it's something that a lot of people won't know a lot about. Obviously, everyone watching has probably had a job at some point and everyone watching probably has, has probably lost a job at some point. But kind of the hows and the whys and the what falls behind that and the workplace law is something that most people will not know anything about. So tell us, Ricky, how did you kind of get into the role, mate? And, and do you remember the first kind of person that you ever had to, um, you know, terminate, I suppose? I'd started uh, as a photocopier boy working for the federal government or the Commonwealth Government of Australia, um, and and this this happened to be in the industrial relations inspectorate, um, which which basically is a, is an umpire or an investigative umpire for, for workplace laws in Australia, um, and 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 just sort of really formed a proclivity and a and a really a really close bond to the actual work that was done, and and it sort of progressed into being a. Um, you know, in dispute resolution, but then in, into a, a sort of a senior investigator uh, role that, that sort of specialises in, in prosecutions and, and at the same time was doing my legal studies as well. Um, after leaving the federal government, um, I just, just sort of naturally slipped into industrial relations and, and, you know, one of the, as I said, one of the, the regrettable or one of the components of the role is that, you know, you are responsible for ensuring that um, the risk is managed um, around terminations and um, I do remember the, the first one it was something that you know going in as a you know as someone who's legally trained and someone who's a, a, you know a, an investigator and had spent a lot of time in that space um, we were asked to sort of terminate someone um, there wasn't a you know on the basis that they they you know been alleged to have engaged in ongoing sexual harassment to a junior colleague um, and there just wasn't a lot of foundation to the allegations. And that, you know, that's often the case with sexual harassment, isn't, you know, there's not normally 40 or 50 independent witnesses available. It's usually uh, something that happens behind closed doors. It's a he said, he said, he said, or he said, she said, or they said, them said, however, whatever pronouns you want to use. Um, 
but really it was a it, it, for me it was a, an eye opener because it wasn't really about the allegation. It was more so um, we were providing services to a client. This client just said, "I want this person gone. I don't want them in my work site. Um, I, they're not my employee. I, I pay you to deal with these risks. Um, get them off my work site." Um, so it's really sort of a you know we're in this position that our client is is wanting us to, to terminate someone who's our employee, but you know um, yeah we just had to do it. Um, I remember feeling sorry to cut you off. I do remember feeling that it perhaps um, wasn't right. Right. Yeah, it's interesting that is, isn't it? And I'll probably lead to one of my my later questions. But pulling back from that, I think you know most people who are watching the show. I mean, oh God, I've been fired before from a few positions from various for various reasons. But they yeah, usually, you, yeah, exactly right. It's happened really. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's real life. Sometimes you fire yourself. Um, but, I mean, most people have just been fired by the people that they directly manage as their work, maybe their supervisor, their boss, perhaps even the owner of the company. Um, it, I was actually surprised to, I mean, I know what you do, of course, but, I mean, why is it that some companies actually employ someone specifically to kind of take care of that role and, and the wider legal role and that they're not just doing it like face-to-face -face with that person? Yeah, look, I think that um, employment law, particularly as you get into more complex and larger organisations, the actual, um, the, 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 the applicable laws are, are probably more robust. So, you know, when you're working for a small business, it's generally, it's kind of like a, a bit like a working for a family or, or working for a friend or there's, there's that sort of really close personal relationship in that you're omnipresent and ubiquitous. You're seeing your manager every day, the owner of the company every day. Um, you've got that close relationship and you're working with a national organisation of 10,000 employees. Um, you know, you've got managers that, you know, sometimes they're just simply, they're, they're technical experts in their field, but they're just, they're absolutely useless when it comes to human engagement and leadership, you know. Um, an engineer doesn't go and spend four years at school to, to become a people leader, but yet engineers are often managing hundreds of millions of dollars worth of, of, of labour resources. Um, you know, so often you need to be there to manage the risk um, you need to be there to make sure that, you know, and there's so many different processes. So employee A in one organisation, um, the process to terminate their employment is, is prescribed in, in legally in an enterprise agreement could be completely different to another employee in the same organisation who's covered by another a separate process. So, um, you know, there's a lot of risk there. There's a lot of process. Our industrial laws or, or unfair dismissal laws are centred upon really um, procedural fairness, um, you know, and the, the concepts of is it harsh, is it unjust, is it unreasonable, and that's really looking at our processes followed. Um, you know, this is kind of a, a tacky way to say it, but, you know, really are we handing out sort of a $1,000 fine for a 50 buck crime? You know, like are we being proportionate? Um, is this, and, and often it's the case, is a lot of people, you know, you get money, I want to terminate this person, they've done X, Y, Z, da, 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 and you go, well, hang on, what have you done as a manager to address this? You've done fucking nothing. Right, you're the one that should be terminated. You know, really, you're the one that needs to be managed. Often it's personal personality, so these just they fucking hate each other. And it's like, no, you need to manage this person. You know, so the business isn't just going to, you know, manager calls up, oh, I want to fire someone. Business goes, cool, have fun. We go, why? What have you done to address the concerns you've had? You know, so you've really got to unpack it. I'll tell you, probably ninety percent of the time. Um, when you, you, you speak to someone, you know, and they say, oh, look, we want to engage you to go through this termination. It's like, well, hang on, you, you, you know, you're kind of 
you need to just have a discussion with someone and outline your expectations first. I think you'll find that that'll be much easier. So um, that's mm. why Product Like Me exists because it's not just about terminating individuals. It's actually trying to find a better solution to the termination of them. Um, and, and often it's really about assessing is this, is, this, is this legitimate or is this just a case of poor management, um, which, which is very often the case in large-scale organisations. Um, yeah. I've, I can tell you that I deal regularly in instances in where you've got an employee and a manager who haven't otherwise had a decent discussion for more than 12 months. Yeah, I can imagine that happens a lot. And thanks for your full and complete answer because that's given me a, a, you know, an insight that actually there's two parts to it, isn't there? It, it's more than just going, hey, I want this guy gone. And, and yeah. on the back, back end of that, there can be 101 reasons why he wants that guy gone. He, he may be in a position that... You know, even he wants or desires himself. It might just be something personal that's happened between them on the side, but it doesn't always essentially mean that that person should lose their job or, in fact, that that person is entitled to make them lose their job for that reason. You know, there's, there's, you've got to think of the the, the humanist side of it, which I'm sure you, you do have to, that, you know, yeah. this person, their livelihood, they have could have, you know, responsibilities and other children and children and stuff that they need to support. So it's... um. Yeah, it's not just as cut and shut as okay. Yeah, they're, they're getting fired. Okay, I'm going to go and fire them. That's it, you know. And and that's why the the laws and the regulations come into it, and and why people like you are in place to make sure it happens wholly and properly. And you know, as and, is and, and, and also, Jake, sorry to cut you off there, and um, but also just to make sure it happens, you know, right. like uh, you 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 know, you're dealing in a situation where perhaps um, a manager doesn't want a termination to occur. So an organisation has a body of rules that, that kind of exists up here, um, whereas a manager and employee have worked together for years and have this kind of this, this vocational bond. They're colleagues, they're friends, you know, they trust each other. But this person's done something wrong. Corporate doesn't like it, wants them gone. Manager's just not going to do it. I've been there and it's like you need to terminate this and they just can't do it. You know, it's, um, they're just they're just unable to do it. So it's often is the case is you need to be there to kind of go. You need to affect this termination, and you need to do it now. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm going to do it for you because you're never going to do it. <laughs> oh, well, and then you just do it for them as well. Yeah. Often in case yeah. you just this is just going fucking nowhere. Sorry, yeah. and you just jump in and you do it. Um, and that's really about managing risk as well because you know I've, I've sat in these sort of discussions and they just go so off topic and. Um, start to become really risky. So, you know, there are a lot of really smart people out there that know how to play the system and they're very astute in knowing that all they need to do is, is give rise to some, some sort of workplace protections and they can really shift the dynamic of the argument from being terminated for the basis of poor performance or poor conduct to shifting the argument to saying, hang on, now we're exercising a workplace right and they're being persecuted or prejudiced because they're trying to take leave or um, question a promotional decision or something like that. So, um, you know, you want to be in there to, in, in those discussions to make sure they don't kind of go um, tits up, so to say. Yeah, it, it really makes me think, going back to what you said there, I mean, getting the actual, getting the job done and making sure that this person is, is you know, leaves their position because they've done something that means that they, you know, they inherently don't need to deserve to or should be there anymore. And, yeah. and how many people there are in the world, particularly in big global organisations, I've worked in a few in in the kind of construction engineering division that just they just get away with it. They just they just somehow there's just people in these roles that just are doing probably just about enough to not get fired, and they're being paid just about enough not to quit. I think there's a lot of people that sit like that in the world, and um, and, and quite frankly, what a useless position to be in in life. 
Well, and that's and and, and that's it is, is is that you know I don't consider entirely terminations to be a bad thing. I often think that it's kind of giving someone the push they need to take the next step in their life. I mean, I don't go out of my way and nor do the organisations say, "Hey, let's find people and fuck over their life today." Um, <laughs> you know, it's people put themselves on on my radar. I don't go out. I don't need to go out shopping for crazy people to terminate. Um, you know. So, <laughs> It's generally that someone's not happy in their role, that they've been there too long, they're not satisfied, they're not challenged, um, they've gotten to a point that it's just it's broken down. Um, you know, they're going home and they're taking this negativity with them and it's starting to sort of intersect in their own relationship um, and their personal relationship and their motivation to, to do better things in life and be a better person because they're just clouded in this toxicity constantly. They're going to work in a job they hate where they know they're not appreciated and for whatever reason, sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes it is. Um, Organisations have a really good way of grinding down really good people, um, you know, really smart and innovative people by inactivity and inaction and then, you know, the usual bureaucracy and nepotism that goes on. Um, but, you know, people get ground down. So sometimes, you know, and, and they're just afraid of the next step, which is which is perfectly understandable, particularly, like you said, where people have responsibilities more than just kids, um, reputation, you know, they want to help keep their head held high. Um, sometimes you just, you know, it's a good thing to give them that kick um, and they can go, look, I've, I've, I've never wanted to drive an ambulance. I've always wanted, I've just, I've always wanted to, you know. Um, I mean, so, you know, I, I've wanted to start my own business and be a dog washer or I've wanted to, you know. So, you know, and I've heard, I've had people say that I've been through, you know, the six-month dance of back and forward, back and forward, call me out. And they're like, you know what, like in hindsight, that was the greatest thing that ever happened. So, yeah. I'm all doom and gloom. And as I said, a lot of people go to work and just, they don't get any satisfaction from their role. Um, it's long since gone. They've been in the same role for 10 or 20 or 30 years. Um, you know, and it just it becomes a really negative part of their life. And often people, you know, you, you, you can have these really robust conversations. You're like, why? Like, at what point does, you know, um, $2,300 in your bank account every fortnight actually constitute you feeling like, like, why would you want to feel like this for any amount of money? I'm like, just go, just you know, this is this is Australia. Just go and take nine months off and travel and just live and breathe and smell the roses and get your soul back. And yeah, because you just you know you're dealing with there's a lot of mentally unstable people you deal with. And you know, I know one of the questions you're going to ask me is what's the, the you know the, the the quickest you've terminated someone? And the question is absolutely day one. You know, yeah. uh, you know people come in, they get through the screening process. Um, you know, but they have a lot of. Uh, social interaction, engagement problems, you know, people that, that are on the spectrum are incredibly brilliant, but just they don't get along, they don't bring the right dynamic into a team. Um, well, some people are just batshit crazy, you know, and that gets found out usually within a couple of days. You know, I've just had a discussion with someone. We were talking about sandwiches and they were talking about, you know, chicken nuggets. Like, yeah. they're, yeah. they're talking, I'm talking to them, they're staring off like into the fields. Like there's something yeah. not like Things you just cannot pick up in half an hour or even an hour's interview, yeah. right? You know, and that's why they have the probation period. You know, the the, the four week, the the sometimes in three months extensive roles of, you know, just to figure out that you're right for the fit for the role, fit for the culture, and um, you know, somewhat more to that. Just um, I guess just a, a, a mentally kind of compass person. Yeah, well, and, and also, look, there's a lot, a lot of nepotism that goes on in, in recruitment as well, you know, people who know people who want to get their friends a job, people who are managers, you know, a lot of that stuff goes on. But sometimes people do really slip through the cracks and there are no reference checks. Um, sometimes managers want really, you know, um, 
abrasive people in their in their team to serve a specific function or purpose. Um, so they specifically are recruiting someone that they know aren't going to get along with people, that aren't going to listen to people, that, that will interject people uh, or interject on people, um, you know, because they want, they need that for their operational purposes. So, yeah, yeah you know, sometimes look, I, I've terminated someone not because the manager's asked me to. I've just simply walked past someone and just been disgusted in what they've said. And I'm just like, who the fuck was that person? It's like, oh, they're new. I'm like, how new? Well, that's their first day. I'm like, yeah. Find her name, find her manager. <laughs> this is her last day, not her first day. I'm like, I can't a bit like that on your first day. I'm sorry. Like, after a month, maybe. <laughs> sorry. sorry. Um, what leads us to my next question? Well, that leads us to my next question, kind of good segue, is what is the strangest reason that you've ever had to uh, terminate someone from their role? Oh, strangest reading reason I've had to attribute to writing um, or just strangest reason in general. Um, strangest reason in writing would probably be um, someone whom had uh, deliberately sabotaged a write-on lawnmower. Um, and I guess, you know, you kind of laugh about it, but a, a write-on lawnmower was a, you know, a pretty serious piece of machinery, particularly the large commercial size ones. Got, you know, writers that are spinning thousands and thousands they um, didn't get the promotion they wanted and actually had been moved site. So they, you know, um, had a sook, threw the toys out of the cot, so to speak, and thought, you know, it's a little bit of a joke. They flip the blades on the, the lawnmower um, and then install it. And then they'd actually went and sort of fabricated all these additional parts to do it, um, you know, to the point that the machine was ineffective, but also really dangerous as well. Um, and then kind of had laughed about it, you know, when was, was was sort of it kind of after a couple of weeks when the grass isn't cutting and the machine's making a hell of a bang. He's like, ha-ha, it took you cunts long enough to realise that's what you get. Um, that's, that's kind of strange, sabotaging Loma. Look, I've terminated someone for being a Nazi, um, you know, for actively, we've, you know, had a discussion with, with them, with their union representative and said, look, we're really concerned, staff are really concerned, um, you know, that you are um, prejudiced towards homosexuals, you're prejudiced towards um, black people, um, they've referred to comments on your Facebook page where you've dressed up like a, a KKK member, um, where you're actively saying that homosexuals should be beaten to death. Um, you know, we're really concerned. We'd like you to come in and have a discussion with your union rep. Um, comes in, singlet, big Nazi cross, Confederate tattoos all up here, and it's like, how fucking dumb can you be, mate? Um, that's pretty strange. Well, I've had a, someone who um, had uh, worked for us, really, really good, sort of in a facilities kind of role and um, well, not worked for us, just worked in general, as I said. Um, and they w had some strange behaviours that were constantly sort of tapped into and constantly brought up, like, um, you know, like when you put your phone on Find Me or your Wi-Fi or your phone name, you know, right. their phone name, you know, your phone name would be Jake Hero or something along those lines. Mine would be Ricky Bing Bong or something like that. There's was details about how they're a nudist and to sort of embrace nudism. Um, and so people would just be seeing this in the workplace, like, I'm a nudist, call me, and, you know, when they're searching for the Wi-Fi network. And so you'd have to sound like you track it down who it was. Um, showing up to a meeting. So this person has said it's sort of grown up in this facility sort of role, but then had been doing a lot of kind of reporting and a little kind of moving into this managerial function and it um, Ultimately, their senior manager was away, so they stood in for their senior manager and had to go to a client meeting where they just took it upon themselves to dress up as a woman um, and go in there just as a, you know, um, 
which just kind of, okay, that's cool. Nothing un- unlawful about that. Um, but it was just kind of a bit of a shock to just sort of, okay, you're a crossdresser, that's cool. But it just, yeah. why did you do that? And they're like, just, I have a right to do it. And I wanted the shock value. And it's like, okay, so you're deliberately kind of trying to be provocative and that's cool. We get it. We respect that you're a crossdresser. Um, so just these issues went on and on for, for quite a while and then it had got to the point that the police had called and said, look, we've arrested this person off a train. They're dressed in their work uniform, um, handing out pamphlets and harassing women to join their private nudist colony. And they actively dressed up in their work uniform, which I'm not going to sort of speak to the organisation, but it was just highly inappropriate and they'd sort of done that to give them a kind of level of you need to have a discussion with me or, you know, so... Um, and, you know, they've been arrested for harassing people on a train um, in their work uniform. And, and I think it was kind of that that's kind of was just the strangest. And it's like, what what are you doing? Like, where do you see this going? You can't yeah. just keep, you know, and they're deliberately doing the same. I want you to prosecute me. I want to go to court over this. I have rights. It's like, we're not infringing your rights. We're not terminating you because you're a crossdresser. Or we're not terminating you because you're a nudist and, and, and you think that's great. We're terminating you because... You continue to do this in the organisation when you've been asked to stop on the basis that it makes your colleagues feel uncomfortable, you know. Therefore, you are putting their health and safety and wellbeing at risk. So, um, you know, you flesh out, it's like the reputation. You cannot go out dressed, you know, like you're a a representative of this organisation and solicit people to come back to your private nudist colony and engage in group sex. Like, that's just inappropriate. No, it's not. That's my right. It's like, well... So be it, but you know, do it somewhere else. No, not my uniform. Exactly right. That's what I was going to say. Right, there's a difference between, of course, you can do what whatever on earth you like, but there's a big difference between doing that in your own time, in your own space, wherever you like, and doing it in your work uniform. That's yeah. just something that's a little bit crossing the line, and that kind of leads to something else that you mentioned there, which comes into it a lot, and I think is particularly important these days for people to recognise and realise that. What you put out on your social media can have a damaging effect on your job and your role in life because people forget, I think sometimes it's easy to forget in a, in a world that moves so fast and, and the scale that content does end up online that once you've really put you know out there on the internet, it's there forever. It really doesn't, okay, yes, you can delete it, yes, you can take it down, but you know it's really out there in the domain forever for everyone to see. And that can have a, a quite serious and detrimental effect on your work life. Mm. And look, at, and, 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 and it's not just sort of, um, it's also your, your views as well. And, you know, I think that, look, most employees can, can have their own views, but, you know, particularly in senior positions where you're putting out views that may be contrary to that of your organisation or they might sort of seem to be um, at ends with your organisation, you know, you can really, really, you can get in, in trouble. You can very much lose your job. Um, most executive contracts, most senior contracts now have social media clauses that basically say, look, um, you know, we kind of have a vetting right almost um, to your social media and, and it's really important that you're an ambassador, you're aware that you're an ambassador for this organisation and that your private comments, um, you know, uh, in, in a public domain um, have the potential to, to be construed as you representing this organisation. So, yeah, it's really important. And to that end, like, you know, if you're, of course, you can do whatever you want in this world, but if you're going to do that, just do it anonymously, create some kind of Jojo, JJ, Clownface125, uh, and just have that as your online pseudonym and, and do whatever you want on that. It's probably best not to do it with your full and complete name that you have on your badge for work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. 
What's the most difficult um, termination you've ever had to deal with, Ricky? One that really you found really quite, quite you know, tough and, and, and struggled to, to carry out? Oh, look, I, maybe, I don't know. Tough to struggle and carry out. Look, I think that, um, you know, look, as far as challenging investigations, really sort of complex technical <clears throat> um, investigations into sort of serious safety breaches or, or fraud um, or, or just gross incompetence, um, you know, those ones can be really difficult, particularly when you're dealing in the highly complex materials. So, you you know, as an individual, I have to learn everything, say, about, um, signal, signaling processes for the traffic lights to understand how this person didn't do X, Y, Z and that put this particular traffic light at jeopardy, which thus put the member of public at jeopardy. You know, so those ones can be really difficult because you've just got so much legwork to do to then go, okay, I fully understand what this person's job is so I can therefore be confident that they haven't done what is reasonably expected of them um, in the circumstance. As far as ones that challenge you are ones that you, as an individual you just don't agree with and you try, you know, go to law school, they teach you to be a cold-blooded reptilian, but sometimes you just do things that just don't work. Um, You know, I've been in situations and, and that kind of doesn't happen. It happens mostly at an executive level um, where you're not really talking about statutory protections. That's more so the employment contract and that's where you're, you're doing a bit more wheeling and dealing. But, you know, a senior exec saying, I want this motherfucker gone by lunch. Why? None of your business Fucking fire them. I want them gone by lunch. If they're not gone by lunch, you're fired. Like, what? I can't just fire. Just fucking fire. I don't care what it costs. Go in there with a blank check and get them out of the fucking building. What have they done? None of your business. Okay. You go in there. It's like, what's up? Well, I need to have a chat. He's like, can it wait? It's my 50th birthday today. My wife's flown in my whole family, you know. I've got um, everyone's just about to knock off and, yeah, get on the beer. It's my 50th birthday. I can't wait. What's up? No one wants to speak to the toe cutter, do they, you know? Well, actually, champ, if I, you know? Why? Fuck off, you know? I don't know. Just wait. <laughs> Here you go. How much money do you want for your 50th birthday? <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> oh, well, that's hilarious. Um, I had to deal with an individual who had been with an organisation for 30 years and had decided in their 60s to go through a gender reassignment to transition from being a man to a woman. The process for that on a, on a human's body is incredibly taxing. Um, but to do that in those later stages of your life um, is it, just, it, you know, um, each to their own, but it's, it's, a, it's quite a concerning decision um, because of the health implications. And, and as a subsequent result, just the short-term memory loss, just the basic cognitive functions, the ability to walk straight, balance, weight gain, you know. So they just couldn't work and we're just like, well, Reality is, 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 you know, your doctors have said that if you continue on this gender transition, you're the, the, the symptoms that um, are preventing you from being able to work safely and perform the inherent functions of your employment um, are only going to get worse. Like, yeah, you have to make a decision. Like, you either go through this gender reassignment or you stop. Go do some, you know, some physio and some therapy and get yourself back to sort of a, a, a normal state where you, or you've got no job. Like, we, we can't have you working. Hmm. Well, because then from there, it's, you know, you've got every sort of um, egalitarian fuckwit coming out of the woodwork, you know, your human rights commissioners, your ambassadors for lesbians and fucking, fuck, you know, lady boys and whatnot. 
Um, just everyone, ministers, MPs, the unions, just everyone's adding their 10 cents in. Oh, this is just disgraceful that you would terminate someone on the basis that they've gone through a gender reassignment. It's like, okay, you could frame it like that. We haven't terminated them for that or we're not proposing to terminate them. This individual, based on three separate medical examinations and three separate opinions from certified medical health practitioners, said that they pose an unacceptable risk to the broader workplace and themselves by performing any duties whatsoever in the working environment. We legally cannot put them to work. What do you want us to do? Just keep paying them while they go through a gender reassignment? Why would yeah. we do that? Yeah, so totally. it's challenging and then you've got the kids, you've got the relatives, you've just got the manipulation, the hate campaigns, um, you know, and it's really, it's like you, you, you want to be really respectful to, to what this person's doing but at the same time you're like, hey, what, what, like at some point you as an individual have to be accountable for your decisions and your choices and, you know, we are your employer. We're not your fucking welfare fund. We're not your, your guidance counsellor. Like you come here to do what we tell you to do and we pay you for that privilege. Mm. That's it. Like mm. you're the master, you're the servant. This isn't some sort of, hey, I've been here 30 years so I should just be able to draw a salary for another 10 while I don't do anything productive for the organisation, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be aligned. And, and mind you, you know, that that particular case went for 18 months from when we said, hey, we, you know, we're going to terminate you because you can't do your job, right up to the point that we, we did, you know, and it's sort of um, just this back and forward, back and forward. And yeah, it's just, uh, it grinds you down. It's sort of soul destroying. And, you know, and this, this particular individual was just, batshit crazy so they would call me at two o'clock three o'clock they sometimes call 40 or 50 times a day um you know and just have totally no idea what's going on just the cheese had slipped off the cracker completely you know so you're just dealing with these people and it's just like wow yeah i can imagine it gets pretty pretty draining um and you know at the end of the day look if if someone's not Fit for the role, number one. Not fit for the role, sorry, that's the wrong way to put it. If someone can't do the job that they're, they're, they're being asked to do safely and therefore then they're a risk to other people, then I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are unemployed who would want the job, who perhaps are fit for the role and, and particularly don't put, pose a risk to their, their other colleagues in, in doing that. So, yeah, well, there's, I mean, all the other, there's all the other, like you said, there's all that other sort of stuff that goes on in that, you know, because this this particular individual was heavily unionised and they'd been a union member paying union dues for 30 years, that kind of gives them a lot of, like, the union's kind of bound to, you know, 30 years of dues, like, that's a, a 20-foot boat, you know, like. Um, so the, it had just been sitting there, you know, the managers, the business unit, the divisions, the branch, the general, they just weren't going to touch it, you know, and at some point you just have to go in and kind of pick up those reins. And the kind of real reason that did this was that a lot of other employees had started kind of breaking ranks and saying, we can't keep doing this, we can't keep picking up the slack for this person, we can't keep sort of working around them and, and, and sort of cotton-wooling everything they do and, you know, it's just um, it's it's really bringing down our morale, knowing that they get paid more than us and they're doing nothing. They show up to work, and it's like someone has to babysit the idiot while they walk around the workplace. Like you just why why do you pay them? Just get rid of them. It's like well, we kind of do because your your union says is like not prepared to let us do it, and then you're just going around in circles. And you know, and then those employees are just getting really upset. They're saying this person's drawing a salary. I'm doing their job for them, 
and I'm doing my job and no one gives a fuck. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're carrying them and that's not really fair. Yeah, oh, totally, and it happens everywhere. It's same with yeah. those really toxic employees as well that just come into work, they're miserable, they've got nothing nice to say, they've got no sort of... They just bring down everyone around them, you know. They bring the morale down of a team, you know. I think it's a bit different when everyone's working from home. But, you know, when you, when you start dealing with these people for 40, 40 hours a week in the same proximity, you know, yeah. the negativity permeates. So, and I'll tell you what, I've been in a job that I really enjoyed, but I just hated the environment that I had to do it in or, or some of the people that I work with. I just, they made it immensely miserable for me. And I, and I think actually what, what what can have played out in this time for a lot of people when they've had that time to work at home and they've realised that, yeah, do you know what, I really like what I do. And the problem is the fact that the people I work with or the environment I work in, and do you know what, I could just do this at home all the time and I think there's going to be perhaps a big change in the world of a lot of, lot of people working more at home and, and a lot of these are big offices realising, why do we pay the massive bill for this building and keep the lights on 24 hours? 24-7, when actually a lot more people have been a lot more productive working from home because they're enjoying their, their work role a lot more and they're not having the toxicity of these people that they work with that bring that uh, atmosphere with them to work. Absolutely. Um, and it'd be, be really interesting over the next, I guess, 12 months as or particularly here in Melbourne, they're sort of coming out of restrictions and there's going to be this kind of real big rejuvenation and reactivation of the city as we sort of progress through summer. Um, so, yeah, it'd be really interesting and, and, you know, particularly from my experience um, thus far, it's, it's, it, it's interesting in that um, probably around 40% of, of all staff are, are actually really eager to get back to the office. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about office stuff. Um, yep. you know, we're not talking about, you know, um, your, your hospitality or your manufacturing, but really just your, your office staff and, and professional employees and things like that. 40% um, are really eager to get back into the office in some form, whether it's business as usual or four days a week or twice a week or whatever it is. 40% um, of people are really just like, I actually enjoy working from home. I'm not particularly interested. I don't quite see any point. It's not safe. You know, masks, blah, 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 not interested. Um, and then you've kind of got this mix that are sort of really adamant that, oh, I'd like to, to, to you know, really just come in once a week um, and then at home or I, I, I'm only going to come back if there's this this kind of really secure, um, flexible work arrangement. Um, so, yeah, no, it'll definitely be, be difficult. Um, yeah. And there'll be a lot of instances, and I can assure you, where people refuse to come back um, and, 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 and my role will be, and, and it's going to be a really difficult one and, 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 you know, heads up to all the employees out there for the argument is, you know, if you could be able to legitimately demonstrate that you have been more efficient, efficient you have been more productive, that your work-life balance is better. So there are people that, you know, you, you can see that, you see photos of them. I mean, in the last seven months since they've been working from home, they look 20 years younger. They've lost 30 kilos. Um, they, 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 you know, instead of coming to work with the fucking, 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 they're like, hey, guys, how's everyone today? I've done great work, really love my, you know, really love the work. The whole life's changed. So it's going to be really hard because organisations are going to want people to come in, people are going to go, no. And then, you know, if you can really palpably prove that you've been um, productive and you, you just your work-life balance is that much better. There's there's, there's, there's kind of a, a diaphanous or quite a, a weak argument for, for for an employer to say, well, you have to come back. It's like, why? What am I actually missing out on? You know. Um, 
And it's what what are what are we missing out on? And I think I definitely think you know, particularly as a as an office professional, I definitely think a lot of things are slipping. A lot of those things that could just get done in five minutes are taking five weeks because people aren't together. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just how do you flesh out that argument? And 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 that argument is that 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 will be the um, you know the, the the forefront of every contemporary industrial relations argument next year for the first six months is flexibility, workplace flexibility, um, and yeah, you know, um, people not being required to come into the office um, and work remotely, whatever that may look like. It's going to be an int- It's going to be very interesting to see how twenty twenty impacts twenty twenty one in the workplace, and um, yeah, interesting to see how it plays out on both sides, both sides mm-hmm. of, of the coin that we just talked about. Have you ever been assigned uh, a task or, you know, a determination that you could not complete? You know, maybe you couldn't find the person, um, something like that? Um, look, I'm pretty good. I think that, um, you know, if, if I'm given, given you know, sort of point and shoot, um, look, you don't really need to. If you've, if you've um, made all attempts to contact an employee and they've simply not, in, you just terminate them for the abandonment of their employment. Um, you know, that happens quite common. I'd say that I've terminated more people for abandonment of employment than anything. Um, mm. Just on the basis that they're saying, well, I'm not coming to work because of this reason. It's like, well, we don't accept your reason. Come to work or you'll lose your job. Yeah. Um, um, again, this is this is not Centrelink. This is not the welfare department. Um, come and do your job or fuck off. Um, <laughs> I think I've been, um, I've been in the positions to have really good grounds to terminate individuals and there's always some, you know, particularly when you're working with really large-scale construction organisations where you have a militant or active union, um, there's a lot of wheeling and dealing going on. Um, look, I've, you know, and, and, and it's like this person needs to go today. It's like, no, nah, they're not being fired. It's like, but we have to fire them. It's like we've terminated everyone else for doing the exact same thing. It's like they're not being fired. Like that's not happening. Put that mm. put that. You know, um, there's been ones where, you know, being oh, told to terminate someone and I just fundamentally disagreed with it and just haven't done it. I've just 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 pushed the paper around and just I've, I've openly lied to my, you know, the people I report to to say that, you know, this is what's going on here and it's not. It's just I, I don't want to do it. Um, it's wrong. Um, and, and, you know, you have that discussion. So, look, I've been asked to fire you. I'm going to put this off for two months just so you can build some more wages from this place, but you are going to get fired eventually. You know, you just try and, try and balance it out a bit, um, you know, and they're like, really? It's like, really? Um, look, ones that you, you just can't follow through. No, look, as I said, because you can't find someone, no, you just terminate them um, in absentia for abandonment. Um, yeah, but, no, probably ones that, you know, like I said, there's, there's those... Um, there's the, the flip side of that in that you, 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 you're asked to terminate someone and you look at it and you're like, you can't terminate someone. What, what for? Like, whoa, 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 take a step back, you know. And ultimately, as I said, there's, there's different layers of terminations. You terminate an executive, you're going to be going in with a very different approach to terminating a blue-collar worker on an enterprise agreement, you know, covered by industrial protections. You've got three union reps in the room with the employee every time you have a meeting with them. Yeah. They do not speak without their three union reps sitting there. You know, so every time you want to ask them, did you get our letter um, that outlines the allegations, you've got four people there basically calling you a C-U-N-T, F you, go die, um, you've got nothing, we'll see you in hell, sort of that kind of approach. So, um, yeah, I don't know, what was the question? Yeah, challenging ones, yeah, but, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that just doesn't, can cannot go ahead um, 
because of those kind of union reasons and things like that. But also the, the risk and, and, and ultimately the, you know, people, um, 90% of Australians are covered by statutory protections. And the real question is, is you know, um, is there a valid reason for the dismissal? You know, and you've really got to ask, and, and here we call it, you know, the, the principles of harsh, unjust and unreasonable to say, you know, um, was it unjust because the employee just simply didn't do it? You know, they're innocent of what you've accused them for or, you know, you have a process you have to follow and you just didn't follow the process, you know. Um, was it unreasonable because, um, you know, you, you just haven't given procedural fairness or, or natural justice or you've denied them access to a lawyer or a support person or you didn't give them enough time to review the supporting materials that you've relied on for your conclusions? Like you just, you haven't done a due process here. Um, you know, when we look at harshness, and harshness is like really, it's kind of a, a really broad concept, but, you know, the, the concept of harshness is that disproportionality, you know, and we say, well, like I said, that are we handing out a $1,000 fine for a 50 buck crime? You know, do we just, are we eliminating this, is, is this opportunistic because we fucking hate this person, right? And all they've done literally is, is, is accidentally, um, you know, haven't, haven't filled in a form, you know, well, why would we terminate someone for that, you know? So, Often you're really pushing back. Well, you get those, but I'm going to terminate this person. They just sat in a meeting, they called me a cunt. It's like, well, have you been warning about this sort of behaviour before? No. I'm like, well, have they ever been in trouble before? It's like, this person's worked for the organisation for 16 years. They've never got as much as a, a red mark next to their name. I'm not going to buy them just because they've called you a cunt. Why don't you go in there and ask them why they called you a cunt and tell them why that's not appropriate and what your expectations are and then follow that up with a letter. Um, you know, so just just to really kind of space those things out. Um, but, yeah, and, oh, sorry, just the other thing as well is, you know, often you need to just say, hey, look, like you want to terminate this guy, he's 64 years old, you know, and, and yes, his, his performance is really bad, but, um, you know, maybe we should be looking at, at, at an, like it's just a little bit too harsh. He's never going to be reemployed. Um, he, he's been here for 40 years. He's kind of losing his marbles, like, you know, just the impact on him, like maybe we should look at perhaps, you know, a transition to a retirement arrangement and, and sort of engage in another discussion to say, hey, look, we feel we could terminate you and we have grounds to do it, but this is what we'd prefer to do. Um, and this is what we want to put on the table and ask you to consider is that, you know, um, for the next 12 months, you only come in two days a week, um, you hand over this sort of function to this person and you slowly, you know, transition out of it. So there's those sorts of things. Um that you've always got to think about. And just often you get to a point, you just say, look, there's just not enough evidence here. You know, we, we, we can't terminate someone just because you don't like them um, or mm. just because you, you think they're doing something wrong. You need to have valid grounds and you, you need to be able, you know, we have burdens of proof and um, it, it's it's really important that, um, you know, that in, in a system, in a democratic system, you know, like Australia, that, that those burdens of proof are important, not just in court, but but also in the processes that, that, preempt that you know and it's um and that's why you know you say why does someone like you exist in an organization we exist in an organization to make sure that process is followed because one of the most important things that i say to people at first when they say look we want to go down a disciplinary or a termination or you know we want to accuse someone of um pulling their dick out in the office and and and, and slapping some girl's ass um you say put yourself in your in, in their shoes and how would you want to be approached how would you want to be treated um, how would you, you know, how would you um, want the conversation and the process to be framed, you know, if this was you? Um, you know, so that's always a really good starting point, I think, you know, when, when you approach these sorts of situations and, and, and ask yourself, you know, um, put yourself in the other person's shoes. Um, yeah. And in that answer, I think you, you've given us like a, such a whole picture of it because in the, in the essence of this, and I, I guess when probably a lot of people join this, 
in this podcast and saw me announce it, they thought, oh, what a cold job that is. And, you know, as you said, you went to law, law school. And I love the way you worded it, as I always do love the way you word things, mate, to be a cold-blooded reptilian. But there's there's a human side to it, you know, that you have to be, like you said, you have to consider other people's, you know, what's going on for them, what are the implications of this termination if it was to happen, particularly with that, the, the older people, you know, should we actually, instead of just going, okay, you're gone, um, you know, that, that's almost giving them a life sentence at 64 to fire someone from their job when you know they can't get another one. You no, know, why would you, you know, why not? And, and if you have to, you have to, but why wouldn't you at least try and do something a bit more benevolent first? Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 it's compromise. And, and, and it's sort of similar, Jake, and like you said, is that you know sometimes you have to really sit there and go, well, hang on, like this is gonna this is gonna go down like a ton of bricks. Like particularly when you're terminating someone, you're terminating a, a, a highly paid three hundred fifty thousand dollar a year CFO because they've tested positive for meth and cocaine, right? In a in a zero tolerance environment, someone's noticed their fucking eyes are dinner plates at work. We've gone and said, look, champ, we feel that you're off the bat. We've just come out of a meeting with you where you're talking a million miles an hour. But you know. We're asking you to take a drug test. Um, they fail it. This person's got three kids in private school, like just a marae of everything. And it's like when they find out they're losing their job, like let's get a social, let's get a counsellor. Um, let's get someone in to, we go in there, you're losing your job, counsellor walks in, you know, and they basically will escort that person home. Um, we'll right. get a car for the counsellor to take the employee back to their house or wherever they want to go. And even yeah. be there for them to have the discussion with their family and say, "Hey, welcome to being raped, you know, yeah. on the drug addict, yeah. and I'll be sent home with a counsellor." And you know, and then you do you look at those sort of well, what are what are what are our obligations here to this individual's welfare? I mean, I can assure you that a regular part of my job is to to to, to work with Victoria Police and say, "Look, we have serious concerns about someone. We've just terminated their employment, and um, they basically said they're going to go home and hang themselves from this particular tree um, in this particular park." Um, at this particular time, um, you know, and, and yeah, you, you're constantly saying, look, we're, we know, um, there's not a lot we can do, but, you know, we're obligated to report that information to the police because, you know, they have the appropriate powers and jurisdictions to look into that. But, yeah, it's a very common function um, to, to sort of sit there and go, okay, let, 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 let's let's affect this termination, but, um, you know, what are some of the things we do? I mean, we've often had to get security in and clear the whole floor, everyone out of the floor, get someone in a room, shut the door, get security to come in quietly, clear the whole floor. So when that door opens, that person is straight out. They can't attack anyone, abuse anyone, say anything. Just, <laughs> um, you know, situations where people, you know, go into their office, it's like, mate, we're, you know, we're going to ask everyone out here um, to, to finish up for the day um, because, you know, you've obviously got stuff all over here and we want you to pack up your office and, you know, it's, it's probably not appropriate that everyone just sits there and watches you do it. Um, so we're going to clear out the office and let you do that, or you say, "Look, we're um, we'll come back and meet you here on Sunday." Um, yeah. You know, and you can clean out your office. Some of these things, but like I once had to basically ask to terminate someone and you know, go out in the field and do it because this person, like you said, they just wouldn't. They knew they were losing their job and they wouldn't come to the meeting or call. So I had to go where I knew they'd be. Hey, come here. And then, bam, we're an hour out of Melbourne. I fired them. They're like, well, you've got to drive me back to my car that's at the office in the city. And I'm like, <laughs> so I was fired by someone and I had to sit in them and it was two and a half hours because we got stuck on a crash on the freeway and just sit there while this person just laid into me, the organisation, just two hours. Oh. It was pure abuse, you know. After oh, that, oh, it was kind of funny. 
Lucky I'm quite a strong character and I just kind of brushed it off and, you know, tried to make if, if you weren't a strong character, you would not be able to do this job, particularly for as long as, you, as, as you've done it. It just comes within part and parcel of being able to do it and, and, and deal with it, I suppose. Um, now, you touched on there, and, and particularly a lot, of, a lot of people may not know this, particularly if you're watching from, from outside, outside Australia, but particularly the construction industry, and there's wider than that. Um, the union does really have a big stronghold here in Australia. Not as much, you know, as other countries where it's lost it, particularly the UK. I know that the unions really kind of lost their grip there in the 80s. The America, I'm not sure, and I'm not really sure about wider parts of the world, but the union does really have a strong hold here. And as you mentioned, sometimes you'll go to these meetings with employees and there'll be two or three representatives from the union there. And and that kind of leads to my next question That, that in that, and, you know, is there any like confront, confront, confrontational issues that you've had and, and perhaps like undesired consequences that you've had that have kind of led, that spilled over into your personal life from, from terminating someone? Um, look, I, I, I mean, it's an inherent part of the role that you're going to get abused by a union representative. If, if you think you could do this job or if you think you can go in there and represent an organisation, you know, be an advocate for an organisation against a union and not cop an absolute fistful of abuse, um, you know, you're puffing muffins. The unions are predictable. Um, you know, they're not they're not particularly intelligent. Um, you know, they all work off the same, you know, Union 101. Um, so, look, it, 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 it's a tactic, um, particularly as someone like me, the first thing they'll try and do is to get to discredit me to, to, to the executive. So to make sure that the executive can't feel that they can trust my advice or, or, or my strategy. You know, this is just union one-on-one, right? They'll do that each and every single time. So, yeah, you get some, some abuse of real abuse. I remember once just um, for no reason, I, I hadn't said anything. This guy, the union rep, was just carrying on like, like they do, right? They just, you know, they, they get in there and they, it, it's a show for their members carrying on and, he just there for no reason just started abusing me. He's just like, you fucking demented, you fucking eyes are fucked, and just like just started going crazy at me. And it was just like really inappropriate. And um, I think that um, he'd made some really like personal comments and, and, and I was just like most of the time I swept it aside, but I was like, no, fuck this. And I really wanted to know whether the organisation I was working for at the time would support me and they actually did and we actually really took that to... Um, that the, the national secretary of that union, that sort of behaviour, um, and, and really just to get this guy, and he was an absolute cunt, like no two words about it. I got a written apology from him and it's actually still framed in the offices there. Everyone's like, that's never going to happen. Like, no way, no way. And I got the written apology. It was hilarious. Um, look, I, there's a guy that lives just around the corner. He lives just between you and I and I see him he's a, a, a drunk and I find him because he is a drunk. Um, and he drinks at the local drunk hole between where we live at the Inkerman. And I see him all the time. And I see him in Balaclava and I see him all the time. And he's just such a nasty person. And he comes up, he's like, you fucking buy me a drink, can't. All the time. Just <laughs> never lets it down. Can't remember my name. Can't remember anything. Just knows that I was the one that fired him. And he's always like, you buy me, I need a drink, can't. Did you ever buy me a drink? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's not true. The, the day that I fired him, right, this was really funny. The day that I fired him, and we'd been trying to get rid of this guy for ages, right, because he was just shocking. He would just come to work absolutely loaded, right, just hammered. 
eight o'clock in the morning, just hammered to the point that people couldn't be near him because they were getting drunk, you know. Um, <laughs> and I remember we we, we terminated him and we'd done it um, uh, like sort of in the Caulfield area um, and we were all just laughing. We were like, finally got rid of this guy because it had just been months that we'd been trying to, to just sort of get him to move on. Um, yeah. Just kind of, you know, because, again, similarly, it's like, mate, we could fire him. But it's like, you he never had a job anywhere else. He's never going to get a job anywhere else. He's, he, you know, like, this is the end of life for him. He's got no family. He's a drunk. Like, you take away this job. He's got no real reason to live, you know. So you've got to really sort of be patient and, 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 and plant the seed and feed the horse to water with some of these ones, you know. Um, but yeah, he's just he was just cooked, and and yeah. Anyway, that night we um, we went to celebrate firing him, and we're just having a drink. And who walks into the bar but him? And he comes up, he's like, "Can you guys buy me a drink?" I'm like, "I'll buy you a drink if you fuck off." And basically, that was it. Every <laughs> <laughs> drink over there, I buy it. I'll send it over to the funky venue. Very generous of you, mate. Very generous yeah. of you. We're coming to the end of this interview, mate. I could speak about this for hours. I've had a lot of fun having you on. And as my final kind of point of wrapping things up, I would like you to give three hot tips to business owner operators, which there will be a lot of watching. That's generally kind of the audience here. And whether they're watching live now or later, this is always out there to be watched on, on the platforms. Three hot tips on terminating employees. Well, have a reason. Have a valid reason. Um, be confident in your reason, um, and and if you're not, seek advice, professional advice, if in doubt. Um, these are people's livelihoods, so you want to be certain, um, and you don't want to deal with the consequences of having sort of made a decision that has you know such a, a, a cascading impact. So have a valid reason, seek advice if in doubt. Um, how would you want to be treated? Put yourself in the other person's shoes, um, and that's probably a good segue into the, the third point is once you've made a decision to terminate someone's employer, rip the band off and do, band aid off and do it. You know, um, the, 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 the worst thing you can do in that situation is drag out that conversation. A termination discussion should be no more than two minutes. That anything beyond that is just totally superfluous. Um, you need to basically say, once you followed a fair process, we're terminating your employment. These are our reasons. We don't expect you to grieve. We appreciate that this is challenging and uncomfortable. Goodbye. That's it. 30 seconds. You shouldn't be there to placate someone's feelings. You're really good. You're great, but you're not. You're not. Just fucking rip the Band-Aid off. That's it. Um, and as I said, I've sat in so many things, particularly as a consultant, where people say, look, I'm just not comfortable doing this, and can you sit in there with any of these small businesses? So, you know, this person's getting sitting there and you're sitting there and you're like, by the end of that discussion, the person has not been terminated. They've been promoted. Yeah. So just follow through, rip the Band-Aid off. Don't, you're not there, you're there to end the employment. You're not there to make them feel like it's the right decision. You're not there to, to make them agree with the decision. You're not there to give them counselling advice on the next steps of their life or, or how to approach that. Um, you're just there to, to rip off the Band-Aid and end the employment relationship. And the, 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 the only way to do that is to just do it and don't placate it and don't get bogged down in discussion, Right. At that point of termination, your decision should have been made following a due process. Just do it. Affect the decision. Get it done and get that person out of the building. Get them out. All right? So, no, we're going to have drinks for you. Well, yeah, you can go see Mary and say goodbye and that's just a recipe for disaster. Get them out of the building. Put them in a taxi. Ciao. Great tips, great tips. I'll have to uh, remember some of those myself as a business owner and operator myself. 
Ricky, it's been great talking to you, mate. I've really enjoyed our time together, and I'm sure a lot of these guys watching have. On the side, a big hello to Joanna and Daniel Dobson, our mate. Um, take care, guys. Thanks for watching. Ricky, enjoy the rest of your day, mate. See you, guys.